we're going to go to, eventually, we'll end up at a couple of passages of Scripture. We're going to Colossians chapter 1 and Ephesians 2, which is a very familiar passage of Scripture if you've been coming here for a while. This series, Salvation, has been designed to remind us about the biblical truths and to equip us to share these important basic foundational truths with others. So it's, this series has really been designed about helping us have a greater understanding and also equipping us to go out and make a difference. My first slide this morning is our mission statement. If you know it, will you recite it with me? To develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. The purpose of our mission, what God has called Life Fellowship to do, is that we will continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And as a result of our growth and our maturity that takes place, the Lord will use us to share the hope and the love of Christ with others. And I know that there's a whole world around us of people that need to know the love of Christ, the hope of Christ. And I just want to quickly recap this series. I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of these teachings they're online at lifefellowship.me. Please go back and listen to those. It might be good to go back and refresh yourself anyway. I mean, I listen to them every Sunday when I go home, and it helps me as I listen to those sermons more and more. Even though I'm delivering the sermons, it help, it's helpful for me to go back and re-listen to them. In summary here, on July 27th, we talked about what is salvation. Salvation is God's deliverance of a people or an individual from a threatening situation from which that group or person is unable to rescue itself. In other words, to be delivered. And, and Dave also brought another uh, definition, deliverance from the power and the effects of sin. So that's what salvation is all about, is restoring us, God delivering us, God doing something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. The second week, on August the 3rd, we talked about why do we need to be saved? Did God make us defective? No. But when Adam and Eve chose to disobey, sin entered into all of humanity. And even though it was not our fault, it is a problem for us because sin entered into all of humanity at that point in time. So I talked about that on August 10th. Dave talked about there's only one way, and that's through Christ. That's, that's the heart of this message. There is one way to salvation, to be forgiven for all of our sins, and that's strictly through Christ. On the 17th of August, we talked about, are we secure in our salvation? Yes, because we are responding to God's work on the cross for us. It's not anything that we've done or that we can do. We're simply responding to the gift, the free gift of Christ. And then on the 24th, I talked about, can we lose our salvation? No, we can't lose our salvation. It's a choice that we make, and we're covered. God has made a covenant with us. I also want to talk about the last series. The last series before this series on salvation was 442 is for you. And we talked about three different things, primarily intentionally developing relationships with people that we don't know. A lot of us as Christians, we run in Christian circles, and that's good because we need to be connected to other Christians and encouraged and, and running in that crowd, as it were. But we also need to make sure that we're not excluding the people that God places in our path to share the love and the hope of Christ with. 442 is encouraging us through the rest of this year to build four relationships with people that are unsaved, that don't know the Lord, or maybe don't go to church, have been burned, or, or whatever it may be, and invite them to Life Fellowship. But the key is that we make four relationships and then so that's the first four the second four is to share our story with at least four people 
God has done something unique in your individual lives, in all of our lives. And so we have the opportunity to share that with others as hope and encouragement. How the Lord, we've seen the Lord work in our life, whatever that may be. And then the two is that we would pray for the opportunity to lead two individuals to the Lord by the end of the year. I think all of us can do that. We can at least pray for two people, right? And that would be a challenge for some of us that we would actually pray. And I'm not saying try to make something happen, but as we just yield our life to the Lord and we just let him direct us, he will open up doors and opportunities for for us to do those things. And so we just need to be open to that. The 442 series was not just a series to go through. Okay, we've done the series, now we're moving on. Listen, this is part of the foundational teachings and part of the foundation that we need to have solidified in us. And these sermons have been strategically designed to reinforce our relationship with the Lord. What's our mission? To develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. So these sermons are deliberately and strategically planned so that we develop and we grow in our relationship with the Lord and to be a witness to others by the way that we live. And so that we have the opportunity to share the love of Christ. And again, I'm not talking about never making a mistake or or feeling like we have to be perfect. There's this pressure sometimes that we put on ourselves or we feel that we have to be without blemish or without flaw. And listen, all of us make mistakes. But we can, listen, when you fall, be falling forward, okay? When you fall, get up. Go to the Lord and say, God, I messed up. Help me. Forgive me. And if I damage somebody in the process, then help me to go back and and restore that relationship or at least apologize. And so it's all about relationships, our relationship with him that impacts every other relationship and our relationships with others. Additionally, these sermons are designed to equip us to share our faith in a way that can lead others to Christ. I'm not talking about beating people up with the Bible. I'm talking about just building relationships with people. As we interact with others, we will have questions asked to us. So how do we answer some of the basic questions that are presented? Like, why do I need to be saved? You need to know those kinds of things. So that's what we've been talking about through this series. It began in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve when they disobeyed God. That's why we all need to be saved because sin has separated us from God. And so Christ came to restore us back into relationship. Well, I'm a good person. Well, you still need to be saved. (laughs) Sometimes we may not have the answers. A couple of weeks ago, Crystal was, she took the kids to uh, the museum, and they have a dinosaur exhibit or something, and she said, well, what about dinosaurs? I said, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, uh, short answer is they didn't make it on the ark. (laughs) But I I don't have all the answers to those kinds of things. Listen, God doesn't expect us to check our brain at the door, but it's okay to say I don't know. I don't think any of us have all the, if you have all the answers, I want to talk with you after service this morning, all right? None of us have all the answers. As we shared a few weeks ago, God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so I don't think that we can comprehend the things of God. If we could comprehend the things of God, then we would be God. But, but God's ways are higher than our ways. And so it's okay to say, I don't know. Search it out in the scripture. Do some homework. Come and talk to Pastor Christine or talk to me. We may not know the answer either. It's an opportunity for us to just be real with people. 
You know, that's what people are looking for. It's just true, authentic relationships. And if you don't have a good study Bible, go to Mardell's and get you one. You know, come on, Christine can help you. Uh, there are other people that have good study Bibles. You need to have a good study Bible that you can read, that you will read. In a version, we, we use the New Living Translation here because it's easy to read. It's easy to understand. But find one that works for you. You can go to biblos.com, B-I-B-L-O-S.com. I go there every week as I'm preparing my sermons. There's a lot of resources there. And so you can go to those. It's a free website that you can go to. And you can research the scriptures. You can find the original Greek or Hebrew word, and, and you can begin to drill down and, and get a better understanding of the word of God. And as committed Christians, we should be able to answer those basic foundational truths and principles and understanding. So this is about us getting equipped to go out and make a difference. How can I lead someone to the Lord? The best way that I know of is, is to build an authentic relationship with, with someone. I'm not saying you have to go over to the, their house for dinner every weekend. I'm just saying begin to build relationships with people at work. God has placed people in, in your life, in your path, that you can impact, that you can lead to the Lord. Natural, organic friendship building. That's the best way that I know of that you can begin to lead people. And I'm going to talk about a couple other things. We can be in prayer. Ask God to lead people across our path. So through this series on salvation, you've been given numerous scriptures to assist you in understanding salvation and to help you when sharing with others. I actually printed out a list, and I'd like for you to take a couple, take two or three with you when you leave. And this is certainly not all of the scriptures that refer to salvation, but these are some of the key scriptures that we've used throughout this series. So it's front and back. And they're up here on the front row. And I would like for you to take a couple of these. Take one to work. Take one at home. And so as you run across people that have questions, maybe these are some of the things that they'll ask you. It also has the sermons uh, when they were posted on the web or when they're on the web. And so you can go back and if someone says, well, why do we need to be saved? Well, there's a great sermon on August the 3rd. And go to our website and listen to that and read through some of these scriptures. I'm not asking you to memorize all these things. It, it will just, it's just another tool that you have to help you. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit more about salvation. And I want to talk about how we should be praying for the Lord to lead us. Jesus said, I leave that the Holy Spirit may come and lead you and guide you into all truth. So are we praying? Are we asking God to lead us? On Monday morning, are we saying, God, who do I need to be praying for? What do you have for me this week? I know I've got a job to do, and I'm not the on-staff pastor to go and preach all day long. I'm there to do a good day's work and work hard and be an example to my coworkers about what a good worker is. But, God, you're going to provide opportunity for me to share the love of Christ who can I share the love of Christ with this week? Or who can I be praying for? Let's go to John chapter 17. Snuck this one in on you. John 17, verses 20 through 26. This is something that Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago, and he's praying for you and me. Let's look at this. John 17, 20. I am praying not only for these disciples. So the disciples were there, and he's saying, I'm not only praying for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message, through the message that Christ gave to the disciples and that they would begin to change the world with. He's praying for all of those disciples. That includes you and me. Jesus is praying for unity in the body of Christ. He, he goes on to pray in verse 21. I pray that they will all be one 
just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus is praying for unity in the body of Christ. It's one of our core values here. Remember our values? Love, prayer, obedience, humility, teachability, being able to be taught, but also being able to teach. Unity, that we come together in the unity and the bond of Christ and service. Those are our core values. And, and throughout the Bible, you see that God desires that the body of Christ be working together in unity. We may not look exact. Your, I mean, look at your hand. Does your thumb look exactly like your little finger? No. But let's hope that they're working together, right? And so the body of Christ needs to be in unity and working together because the church here doesn't look like the church down the street or across town. But you know what? If we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, then we're working together. And as we, even within the bodies, we're working together, as we understand the heart, the, the DNA, the mission that God has called us to, then we're working together to accomplish that mission. So as Life Fellowship does what God has called Life Fellowship to do, and don't be worrying about that other church or those churches over there, let's just do what God's called us to do. And if they'll do what they're called to do, and the other churches will do what they're called to do, then we're working together in unity. Because not every church looks alike. Not every church has the same mission or vision. What is our mission? To develop, maintain, a model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. That's what God has called us to do so that we grow and we mature, but also so that we can share that with other people, with other believers and non-believers. There are people that are believers that are immature. And so as we grow and we have a better understanding of the Word of God, we can help them to grow and they can help us to grow where we all work together as one body. And so we need one another. We need to help one another. Do you ever need any help? Yes. All right. John 17, 22. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. Verse 23. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I want to stop here for a moment. Do you realize that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus? We need to really understand that. And there may be somebody here today, this morning, or maybe listening online that's not sure about that. If you don't get anything else today, I want you to get this, that God loves you. God deeply loves you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've been told. It doesn't matter what you've said. God loves you. Verse 24, Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Part of this is that we're going to live for eternity with Christ. We can walk in the victory and the fullness of life now through the power of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. He goes on to say in verse 25, O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. Verse 26, I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Are we filled with the love of Christ? As we're filled with the love of Christ, it begins to spill over. And so Jesus was about, what, bringing the disciples into an intimate relationship with the Heavenly Father. He said, I want them to know you like I know you. And these disciples that will come... 2,000 years later that live in League City and Kima and the surrounding areas, 
I want them to know you. I want them to understand your word. I want them to have an intimate relationship with you like I have with you and like these have with you. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, the Bible says, but he says that I send the Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit living in us as we're filled with the love of Christ. It should ooze out of us and flow into every part of our life. I would say that the good things that I've done have been prompted by the Holy Spirit. As we listen to the Lord, I believe the Holy Spirit will prompt all of us. Maybe the Lord is directing us to hold off on a decision. Maybe you're praying about something. You're thinking, yeah, I just don't have a peace about this. I don't have a peace about going forward. Or maybe the Lord is directing you to proceed with something now as opposed to waiting. Whatever that may be. Maybe the Holy Spirit is directing you to pray specific prayers. Maybe to pray for someone specifically. And maybe he will give you insight into their life about what you need to pray for to help them. Maybe, to, maybe the Lord is prompting you to stop by and visit. My first point this morning is pray for the Lord to lead you. I want to share a couple of stories this morning and to reinforce these points. So pray for the Lord to lead you. Many of you know that I worked for a chemical company in research and development for about 20 years, and I worked in the lab and running experiments. And there were times when I would just pray for people. I would see someone walking down the hallway, or someone would come to mind, and I would pray for them. And there were times when the presence of the Holy Spirit was so strong in my lab that it was just an awesome time of worship for me. I was working and I was doing my task or whatever, but sometimes I would need to take a break and go, go do something outside or take a trip to the warehouse because the presence of God would be so strong. And I remember one day I was walking down the hallway and I saw a gentleman that I worked with, a co-worker. He was working in his lab and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about this man. And the Lord wanted me to pray for him. And so I began to pray. This guy's name was Lee. And, I be, and this was probably 15, 17, 20 years ago. I don't even know how long ago it was. And it's amazing that I can remember this. As I was walking by, I felt so impressed to stop and just pray for him. Now, I wasn't making a big deal. There was a long corridor with all these laboratories on both sides of the hallway. And at that point in time, there was really nobody out there. And there was another little hallway that I could step into and kind of hide behind the wall if I needed to. But I began to pray for this man. And what the Lord placed on my heart is that he would be saved, that God would work through his life in a powerful way, that he would even preach the word of God. Maybe he would even be a pastor. And I didn't believe that this man was saved. I, I don't know, but I didn't think, I didn't see any evidence that this man was saved or had a relationship with the Lord at all. And so I remember praying that prayer. And I remember the presence of the Lord was so strong on me that day when I was praying for him. So I went on, and about, um, I don't know, maybe a year ago, I, I had some interaction with a, uh, an ex-co-worker on Facebook or something, and he had indicated that Lee was now pastoring a church. If I would have told Lee he was going to be a pastor at that point in time, I think both of us would have passed out. Now listen, I'm not judging him, but I'm just saying that God can take, he can take us and do amazing things with us. But God had me stop and pray. 
And I don't know really the purpose of that other than I was just being obedient. And I feel like that God gave me the opportunity of, to be a part of that journey for this man. And, and I talked to him. I called him about oh, three weeks ago or so. And I had never told him about the situation. And I said, Lee, this is Mark. And uh, we visited for a little while. And I said, I hear that you're pastoring a church. And he said, yeah, I'm actually bivocational. I'm teaching and also pastoring. And, and I told him about that story. And it was encouraging to him. And so here's the point, that we need to pray that the Lord will lead us because God has a purpose and plan for us for praying for people. And so I want you to be sensitive to that. And if you're praying and you don't have anybody to pray for, pray for me, okay? So there's always somebody that you can pray for. So my first point is pray for the Lord to lead you. My second point is pray for God to prepare hearts. And as I was praying this prayer for Lee, I was also praying that Lee would be receptive to what God wanted to do in his heart and in his life. And so we need to be praying for those things. The Lord has a purpose for bringing and leading others across our path. And it may be so that you can pray for them. I want to say it may be simply that you pray for them, but that's no simple matter. That's an important matter. Listen, don't ever say, well, well, I'll, I'll just pray for you. I mean, that's the best I can, that's all I can do. Well, that's the best thing that you can do. Never minimize the power of prayer. And we've all said that, okay? So I'm not getting down on you. But we've all probably minimized the power of prayer. Let's not do that. The Lord has a purpose for us praying. And I prayed for hundreds of people. And a lot of those prayers were for people at work. As I would just see them walk down the hallway. And I can remember this one guy's name was Steve. I'd say, God, get him. Go get him, God. I know that he has religion, but he doesn't have a relationship with you. Pour into his heart, God. Reach in and touch him. That it's not about religion, but it's about a relationship. So I didn't really want God to get him. I just wanted, I wanted to see this man's heart changed, that he would have an intimate, personal relationship with God. Let's go to Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now all glory to God who is able through, who, what? His mighty power. At work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now all glory to God. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor and thanks. Because you are able through your mighty power at work in my life, in our life, to accomplish infinitely more than we might even ask or think. God wants to do more things through your life than you probably have even ever thought of. He wants to do infinitely more. This word infinitely means limitless or endless in space, extent, or size. It is impossible to measure or calculate. That's what God has for you. You cannot measure or calculate what God has for you. It's bigger, more than you could probably even think of. Ephesians 3.20, Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. What are you asking for? There have been times when in, in my quiet time, the Lord has said, what do you want? And I, I said, God, I, I'm, I'm not even comfortable in telling you what I want because I may be thinking too small. I want God-sized dreams. I want a God-sized vision. God has given us a God-sized vision with Life Fellowship that we're going to impact nations. I believe him. 
I don't see how that's possible with my vision, but I believe him. And so God has given you a vision. God is speaking to you maybe. Are you minimizing what God can do in your life? Do you know that he is able to do infinitely more than you could ever ask or think? That's amazing. Salvation. Pray for the Lord to lead you. Pray every week, every day. And I'm not saying do that as a religious exercise. Oh, Lord, I pray that you lead me. Come on. I'm just saying be real with God. God, what's up? <laughs> However you talk to God, whatever that looks like, just be real with him and say, God, who do you want me to pray for this week? I want to pray for Pastor Mark, one, okay? Okay, so that's my first point. Pray for the Lord to lead you. Second is pray for God to prepare hearts. God, I pray that you prepare their heart to receive you, that maybe you're leading me to share the love of Christ with them or share my story with them, or maybe someone else is going to come and share their story with them. But Lord, I pray that you would prepare their hearts to receive whatever you have. And my third point this morning is be prepared to pray a, a salvation prayer when the Lord opens the door. Many of you heard, heard me pray dozens of salvation prayers. It doesn't have to be the same way every time. Listen, if you need to make some little cheat notes about the things that are important, that when you pray a prayer of salvation, we want to pray that we receive forgiveness for all of our sins and that we receive Christ in our life. And you, you may want to add some encouragement in there too. All of our sins are gone and we're a new creation, that all that stuff is left at the cross. You may want to begin to think about if someone were to come into your office tomorrow, how would I pray a prayer of salvation? Again, it's not some kind of rote, memorized prayer necessarily, because when I pray a prayer of salvation with someone, it's probably never the same. And the Lord will give you insight sometimes into a situation or a person. As you're praying for them, the Holy Spirit may begin to lead you to pray a specific thing for them or maybe touch on a specific area in their life. I don't know. But if we just flow with the Holy Spirit and trust Him and allow Him to speak through us, then we don't have to worry about it. So be prepared. Here's a great set of scriptures that are a good place to start. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God saved you by his grace when you what? Believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Say, I'm God's masterpiece. Say it with conviction. I'm God's masterpiece. There you go. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Immeasurable. That we cannot calculate the good things. That we can't even begin to think and understand all the good things that God has planned for us. That he planned for us long ago. God has a great plan for you. Don't allow the enemy or anyone else to get you sidetracked. Stay connected to God. Continue to come on Sunday mornings. Come to Bible study on Wednesday nights. Stay connected. Spend quiet time with him. Study the word of God. So how do I lead someone to the Lord? I want to share another story with you. At this chemical company that I worked for, I was working in the lab one day, and my boss came in, and she seemed really distraught. And we were friends. I mean, we didn't like, you know, our families didn't get together on the weekends and stuff like that. But we had a, a really good relationship. And she was a great boss, and, and she came in, and I said, Karen, what's wrong? And she said, oh, just, I don't know. And she said, she was telling me about, she had gone to this new church, she was going to this Baptist church, and she was sitting in the Sunday school class, and she was just 
irritated and she was just frustrated and she just was feeling something that she didn't know how to process or even how to was able to express verbally. So as we talked, she said that she had been brought up, uh, I think Church of Christ, and she had been baptized and they wanted her to get baptized at this Baptist church. And she said, well, why do I need to be baptized? And so we kind of talked through all that. I said, well, listen, is it going to hurt anything? Another way to look at this is you're recommitting your life to the Lord. So why not be baptized again? If this is where you're going to church and that's what they're asking you to do, it's not going to hurt anything, I promise you. And so we talked through some of those things. And as I began to just talk with her, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and say, ask her if she wants to receive the Lord. And I said, Karen, it sounds like maybe you, you're wanting to rededicate your life to the Lord. And she said, you know, I think that's what it is. I said, well, would you like to do that? She said, yeah. I said, you want to do it right now? She said, yeah. So I just kind of gently closed her door, and I began to pray with her, and uh, she rededicated her life to the Lord right there in her office. God places those kinds of opportunities in our path as we're looking for those things. Now, the story doesn't end there. She called or invited us to come over for dinner sometime after that, and she was telling us that her daughter was in a play at church. And she wanted to invite us over for dinner, and then we would go to the play, and then we'd come back and have dessert or whatever. So we said, yeah, sure. So we go over there, and we have a nice dinner. And her husband, now, her husband, John, he works at the same place that we work at. And this guy is, like, off the chain brilliant. I mean, he's just over the top. And, but he's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't want anything to do with any of that God stuff. So anyway, we go over there, we have a nice meal, and as we're walking out, John is taking all the dishes off the table, and he's putting them in the dishwasher, and he's cleaning up, and Christine says something really brilliant. She says, John, are, are you going to join us? He's like, no, I, I'm just going to stay here and clean up the kitchen and do, do all this stuff here and get, get everything cleaned up. And she said, we'll save you a seat. Ha. <sighs> And the more I think about that, the more brilliant I think that is. Because how many times have we missed an opportunity where we could have said, hey, let me just invite you in a non-threatening way. And so she said, we'll save you a seat. So we get to the church, and we're sitting there, and guess who shows up? John shows up. And the story doesn't end there. A few weeks later, he receives the Lord as his Lord and Savior. And so it began with the Lord prompting me to pray with Karen, her rededicating her life to the Lord, us going over and having dinner, Christine saying, we'll save you a seat. See, God uses all those things, all those things that we may think are really minor and insignificant. If we're flowing in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit and allowing God to lead us and guide us, those things that seem insignificant can become very significant because they're part of that puzzle that God is putting together. They're part of that roadmap that God is, is trying to maybe lead that person down. And so God will place us in the right opportunity at the right time. Or would you be okay if God said, I want you to plant a seed? Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay if God said, well, there's a seed planted. I want you to water it with prayer. Would you be all right with that? Or maybe God says, listen, I want you to go bring them in. I want you to bring them, up, them into the kingdom of God. I want you to pray a prayer of salvation. So it doesn't matter what stage that God uses us at. I mean, he can use us however he chooses. 
And we just need to be ready and willing and able. So we need to be praying for the Lord to lead us. God, what do you want to do through my life this week, today? God, what do you want to do through this situation? I have a, a job interview or, you know, this is going on with my boss and he's treating me unfairly. How do you want me to handle it, God? You want me to call down fire from heaven? <laughs> Come on, I've thought about that and I know you have too, probably. But, you know, the word says that we're to love our enemies. And sometimes we feel like our boss is our enemy, maybe. Hopefully not. But so pray for the Lord to lead you. Pray for God to prepare hearts and, and then be prepared. If not us, then who? If not you, then who? Will he choose someone else? He can. <laughs> But maybe God wants to bless you with being part of that person's salvation. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and God is tugging on your heart, there's no shame in that. But if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, or you had one at one point in time and you walked away, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. There's absolutely no shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this building and not receive everything that the Lord has for you. Anyone else? Sir, I don't mean to embarrass you, but would you come forward? I want to pray with you. I want to thank you for your boldness. And again, I'm not wanting to embarrass you, but I want to, I want to pray with you. What's your name? Jason. Hey, Jason. I want to pray this prayer, and if you would just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I yield my life to you. I receive your grace and forgiveness for all my sins. Thank you that today is a new day. All that old stuff is gone forever. I'm a new creation. And I walk in the fullness and the power and the love of God. In Jesus' name. Jason, I want to pray another prayer. Lord God, I pray for the power and the fire of your Holy Spirit to fill this man to overflowing God. I pray that you would reach into the deepest recesses of his heart and pull out anything there that needs to be removed and you would backfill that with your great love. Father, that you would so work in this man's life, God, so work in his life, the people around him would be amazed and say, what happened to Jason? Man, that guy's a new creation. And he would be able to say, yes, I am. And Father, I pray that there would not be any regrets, that he would release everything to you Anything that, that has bugged him and hindered him from his past, Father, he can now release that to you. And so, Father, I pray that he release everything to you and that you fill him with a fire and the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, and that you speak to him in a, a manner that you have never spoken to him to before, Lord God, that he'll hear your small, still voice speaking to his heart in a powerful way. And Father, we pray all these things with expectation. Thank you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, what you've just witnessed this morning is getting to lead somebody to the Lord today. It's no light thing for Jason. It's no light thing for his family. 
And, you know, there may have been hundreds of prayers that have been prayed for him. Maybe he's got a praying grandmother. I know that we didn't pray for him specifically this morning, but we pray that the Holy Spirit would be here this morning at 9 o'clock. We gather for prayer. Listen, that's when all the volunteers gather. If you want to pray with us, come at 9 o'clock. We're praying for this service. We're praying for the people that are here, that they'll be touched and changed. It's no light matter that this man has come to the Lord today. It's no light matter that there are people all around you that need the Lord. I want to encourage you to to pray. Pray for people. I want to encourage you to pray that God will work in their hearts. And then I want you to pray that God will help you to be prepared when those opportunities come. That you will see them. That you will seize them. Will you do that? Go out and have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Join us for a Bible study at 7 on Wednesday. God bless you. We love you. Go out and live it. The prayer team will be up here. If you have prayer needs, prayer requests, they'll be here to pray with you. You're dismissed. Thank you.